Today on the show, we're talking about the truth about credit cards. Welcome to Simple Money Solutions Podcast, your path to financial independence through deliberate lifestyle choices. My name is Courtney. I'm your host. Thank you so much for being here with us today as we talk about the truth about credit cards. I'm joined with Trevor, my co-host, and this is a subject that we've touched in the past, but one that is never too too late to, to revisit. Yeah, the thing with credit cards is a lot of people think you mentioned credit cards on a personal finance podcast and, and you automatically hear and think, okay, that they're bad, right? There's nothing good behind credit cards, but there really is. Credit cards are a tool that are, is becoming, if I look back to my childhood, credit cards were this rare, obscure, obscure thing that just nobody used or had. But uh, I think credit cards are becoming this, it's almost becoming the, the norm. You know, if you pay with something other than credit cards, it's, it's like you almost need to explain why. So I, I like that it used to go from this kind of novel, novel pay, form of payment to to now almost something that's societally expected. Well, you know, it, it, if I go back to even my coming of age, like my early twenties, credit cards were, were still not the the cash was still the main form of payment, and, and checks were still quite common. But credit cards were, if you were a young person using it, it kind of looked like you couldn't afford whatever you were buying. And if you were an older person using credit cards, it was, I guess it could have been, you know, viewed as the same way. So credit cards, I think when I was coming of age, is something you use because you didn't have the money to pay for it any other way. So from our Simple Money Solutions perspective, I mean, that mentality I don't want to say it's a good one to maintain because it keeps you kind of using um, debit, which means that you have the money to afford what you're buying. But when did that thought kind of transition and when did our usage of a credit card kind of move to what it is now? Because you have, from what it sounds like, seen that transition yourself. Well, I don't think, I think it's come from the credit card companies. So the tap and pay is, is created an extreme convenience, you know, and I wa- I've said this before in the podcast, I've been in line at a, at a cashing out at a store, like a, and there will be a lineup of people and somebody will decide to pay by cash. And you can see the cashier, the person cashing them out, they just roll their eyes and, the, the, you know, yeah, really, we're going to do this cash. You know, why, why can't you just pay per credit card? Because it, it makes everyone's life easier. It speeds the thing up. So, but I, when did the transition happen? I think it just got easier to, to use your credit card. It got more convenient. And with online buying, we just got more accustomed to using our credit card not because we didn't have the cash, but because this was the most convenient way to to finish the transaction. So, so the credit card, and the other thing that that's come from a credit card is if you just say you use cash and you you have risk, right? So someone's gonna you could lose your cash on the way to the store. You you know you could fall out of your pocket. You could get the wrong change back from the person cashing you out. So that, that a lot of things could go wrong in a cash transaction. In a credit card transaction, the, there's very little that can go wrong. And so a debit, so let's say the next one's debit card. So a debit card transaction, things could go wrong. Someone could steal your PIN number, right? Or you, you're, you could lose your card and someone could have your PIN number and be taking money out of your account. Um, but with a credit card, the credit card company, they have made a it knowing that I think all of them they bear all the risk associated with fraud so 
using a credit card has become the most convenient, low-risk method of doing a transaction, and that's why it's become popular. People, they no longer need an excuse to use it. You almost need an excuse why you're not using your credit card. In fact, in fact, if you're not using your credit card and you're paying cash, it may look today, it may look like you don't have any room left on your credit card. You know, that that could be if you're not paying by credit, it's because you can't afford to. So it's almost like the tables have been turned. Oh, yeah. No. And I, I think it, it's crazy how that shift has occurred and and why I think an episode like this is worth having so we can kind of examine how credit cards are being used and 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 maybe like like the I said in the intro the truth about how we maybe actually should be using them. And I'm going to say this has gone this has completely turned 360 in inside the span of 20 years. That's and nuts. Know, that is crazy. Uh, yeah, cuz I remember being at Blockbuster Video. Oh. <laughs> remember that. And I remember standing in line and somebody paying by credit card and a great big sigh going through the whole lineup because it was going to take longer. Everyone knew it was going to take longer to process that transaction using a credit card than it would have in cash. I vividly remember every time I'm in line at Blockbuster, somebody pulls out a credit card and this huge sigh goes across <laughs> everybody. It really? It's like, is it? You're that what, guy? It's three bucks for this and you're paying by credit card. Clearly, you can't afford this movie and it's going to take long for all of us to get this done. And, and now, like I said, the opposite. If someone pulls out cash, it's like, hmm, you know, you start pondering. I, I'm not trying to be judgmental, but credit cards, it has gone 360. And I'm going to say not in 20 years, inside of 20 years. So a very small window of time. I know this isn't strictly... Um, related to credit cards, it, uh, this does apply to debit cards now too. But I, I know, at least I feel this way when uh, we're with the tap, the tap uh, from your credit card, uh, from your even if you're wearing um, an, an Apple Watch or or tap from your phone. But I mean, if, if the per- I see the person in front of me tied p- to pulling their card out and, and inserting it, I let out this groan inside my head because I'm like, oh, here we go, type in the pin. I, like that tap is so um, much quicker. So it's it's kind of. It's it's crazy to your point, Trevor, how far it has come in in the immediacy for that that transaction. Because even with the debit card, you kind of may tap, and then the wrong account is tap attached to the tap. I know I've done that before, where I've moved money around. And now there's nothing in that account. I have to put my, my card in. Both the credit card, it's it's instantaneous. Yeah, the, and we talk about on this podcast about transaction friction, and and retailers want very little transaction friction, and that tap. It require it is the least amount of friction, meaning it doesn't even feel like you spent money. That's what they're trying to get to. So the tap, and now you can pay with your phone or your, like you say, you're an Apple Watch or something, and, and you're not even reaching for your wallet at that point. So the transaction friction is almost gone completely. And, and the risk is it doesn't feel like you're spending money, but maybe in, in like you tell me in your generation, cash is so foreign that spending cash, it doesn't feel like, spending money either is is that true cash is definitely less and less and at, at least among the individuals within my generation because we we do see cash um again like with with older generations i think but i do agree with you the consensus is to move towards card just because it's easier i mean as a female too i know that walls are sometimes getting smaller more minimal so i will see um one of the trend right now is to just have that kind of very minimal wallet. No, Trevor, you mentioned you have a minimal wallet too, but I mean, there's no room for cash in there if you're if you're 
Um, and, and also, uh, as a female too, I, I don't, I don't know, maybe other females feel differently, but small pockets don't really allow for a change in there. So it just, it becomes a little bit more cumbersome to carry, um, to cash on you. So I, yes, I, that movement is definitely going that way. But do you feel, d- does spending cash make you reflect on a transaction I- any deeper thinking, okay, okay, I, I've actually spent money here versus using a credit card? Oh, a hundred percent because, and it, th- this is, it does? yes. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. Well, sorry. Spending, if, if spending cash on things makes me reflect on the purchase more. Um, is this, so in a, in a way it's almost better per se, but again, I, I don't carry cash on me. I'm at the point actually with, with the whole tap thing, credit card as well, as well as debit card, but it, it's still a bad mentality to hold. But I sometimes don't know how much my purchase was and I have to look back at my receipt to know because I, I'll just, the cashier will say a number to me. I won't even be paying attention. Sometimes my card will already be set on the, the tap thing ready to go when the, it gets brought up. Like I, it's very automatic. And I think that autom- automation process is what's dangerous. The whole thing of, of spending cash and that being transaction, tr- transaction friction is when you earn money, you may have had to go to a bank and make a deposit. And so you'd see the money you earn going into a bank and then when you spent it in a different way through credit card, it might not, you might not feel or reflect on the effort it took to earn that money. And so that's why I think the ca- now with people getting direct deposit, they never actually have the money. They never see or feel the money being earned going into the bank, therefore seeing it come out in, in the same fashion. So I think that the the idea of transaction friction using cash is becoming less and less effective as time goes on because of how we get our earnings. A direct deposit, you never really see dollars and cents going into a bank account. That's completely fair. I agree with it from that perspective for sure. Into the wallet thing, that, that's a very interesting thing. That, that, uh, wallet, that, that's a, a real evolution. I remember my first wallet had this great big compartment for bills and coins. And, and then... There was one or two slots for cards. And being as a young person, I didn't really have any cards. Bank cards didn't really exist. And now, uh, I honestly, I don't, in, most of the time, I don't carry a wallet. I, I, have a, I, I throw my credit card in my front pocket and I keep my change in my car. So if I'm walking around at any given time, the only thing I really have on me is a credit card. I don't have a debit card. I don't have cash. Uh, I quite often keep my driver's license in my car. I don't know if that's probably not a good idea, but that's where I keep it because I, I really don't need it other than when I'm driving my car. So credit cards have changed wallets. And I mean, you're right. They don't make wallets to hold a lot of cash anymore. So that that's just a proof that that evolution is, is moving in that direction and it's not going to change. So I'm curious to hear about why you is just strictly carry a credit card with you, even given examples where um, you'll leave your credit card at home or even in the car when you go uh, into kind of a shiny electronics store. So uh, I'm sure we'll dive into that within the truth. So we'll, we'll, we'll kind of hit those up right now. So you've, you've laid out five truths about credit cards and th- so things you feel that um, – are, are really, really resonate with you when it comes to that. So I, I want to kind of dive into these. So starting with the, your first uh, truth about a credit card, um, you say that, so number one, credit cards are not required, but are convenient. So you carry one all the time. And so in your world, it is kind of a required means of payment. But but w- what does this point mean for maybe everyone else and even for you? Well, I know a lot of people think a credit card is like a rite of passage or a badge of honor when you're younger. 
you know, I finally got my own credit card. You've, you've reached some sort of plateau where society now deems you an adult. I have a credit card. And, and I think this is, is misleading. I, I, I think you can get by in society without a credit card for sure. I mean, I, I don't think you could buy something on Amazon without one. I don't think you could reserve a hotel room very easily without one. I don't think you could rent a car with, without one. I don't think you could book a vacation. There's a, a whole bunch of things that would be really hard to do if you didn't have a credit card. And if you tried to explain to this place of business that you'd like to write them a check <laughs> or, or mail them a check or, or, or come in and leave a cash deposit, I think you would all, they, would, they would look at you and say, hmm, I wonder if this customer's legit, right? And so I, I think you will have created a lot of work for yourself. But if you can't, if you don't have the, the maturity or the, the ability to manage a credit card properly, you, you can get in so much trouble so quickly with a credit card that I, I think you need to look at it not as this, like you need to get a credit card when it becomes incredibly inconvenient to not have one. And I think that's a point I'm trying to make. Don't just get a credit card to say, I have my own credit card. I have arrived. That is the wrong reason to get one. Get one when when your life reaches a level of complexity where not having one is incredible extremely inconvenient and just it just puts a drag on everything you're trying to do but having one just to say i have arrived and i'm an adult that i i think you're just setting yourself up for a world of misery and let's just say you're the first one in your circle of friends to get a credit card and and so now you have you know you can get an uber account and and you can make purchases for your friends that they can't because they don't have a credit card in the promise that they're going to repay you. Well, the minute you start mixing money and friends, it it tends to never end well. So you having a credit card before your whole circle of friends having a credit card, generally that that's not going to, that's not going to play out well for you. So don't be in a rush to get a credit card. Wait until the convenience of not having one outweighs the, the, the risks of having one too soon before you're ready for it. So a few questions from that. My first is, but Trevor, how possibly can I build a credit rating without a credit card? Well, if you think of what a credit rating is, a credit rating is is you solidifying a strong relationship with a lending institution. That's really what a credit rating is. A credit rating doesn't say I have a lot of money or uh, I'm, it, it just say it says you have the discipline and the ability to repay debt. That's all the credit rating says. And I know I got my first car loan as a, as a young person without a co-signer. What you need, if you, if, you pl- if you hope to buy something on credit, like a car or a house, what you need is income. And lending institutions put far more weight. If you have a great credit rating and no income, nobody's going to loan you money. But if you have income and, and enough income to support the money you want to borrow then lending institutions will be more than happy to do business with you. So I wouldn't, I don't think, like, so here's the scenario. I have a credit card. I've, I've made purchases on it and, and paid them off. And, and now I have a minimum wage job and I want to go buy a $30,000 car. And I've been using this credit card for five years. Well, you probably have a really good credit rating because you've been using that credit card uh, responsibly. But 
if you have a minimum wage job, they're still not going to loan you $30,000 to buy a car. So it, it really comes down, I think credit rating is overrated. I, I think if you have income, you can get credit. My other question is, how are you supposed to learn about uh, how to use a credit card responsibly if you push it, push it off and, and more maybe be apprehensive of it towards accepting. Um, again, this is just a listener, kind of a listener perspective question because I've been lucky to have a, for, uh, a positive relationship um, building kind of my comfortability with credit cards. But, but what about that listener who's, who's wondering that? Well, if you get a credit card for the right reasons, is a, is a source of convenience in a form of payment, if you wait until then, until your life has reached a level of complexity that a credit card is going to improve your ability to function in society. If you wait until then, I think you will probably be of a responsible mindset, and I like your chances of succeeding. But if you get one just as soon as, as, as a bank will give you one, I, I don't like your chances of, succeed, of, of succeeding. So I, had, I was fortunate enough to uh, have a credit card um, while I was in high school, but it was actually a credit card that was under uh, my parents' uh, names and it just it kind of additional secondary, I was additional secondary card holder along with my siblings. So it allowed my uh, my mother full access to my credit card, the credit card statements, and it was this uh, really powerful um, learning experience. And actually funny, only recently within the past year, um, have I finally got my own credit card? So it's been, it's been, I want to, it's been a, a lot all through my university. So it's been a really long time since I've been attached to uh, my mom's bank account uh, or sorry, her um, credit card. But it was actually now it's been the, the first time where I finally felt comfortable having my own credit card. So it's this very gradual process where I was, had the ability to decide when I want, it was when I was ready. So Trevor, do you recommend this? I mean, it worked phenomenally um, for me, but is this a strategy to recommend for our listeners or kind of one that maybe worked in this unique circumstance? So as a parent, you, you want to teach your children how to manage money and how to handle money. And in today's society, that, that, form of, of managing money is going to be through credit cards for the most part. So I think that's a great strategy to get a young person up to speed on how to manage a credit card, how to look at a credit card statement every single month, scrutinize every single transaction and, and build that discipline. So if you have a parent that's willing to work with a child who's who's moved away from home and, and they have real world expenses and real world transactions to do, and they're going to use your credit card as a parent and, and they're going to pay off their bill. And then the parent is there to sort of oversee and make sure it's happening in a timely fashion and, and nothing's falling through the cracks. If you, if you have the time and the, the resources to, to devote to your child and, and help them build that responsible use of a credit card, I think you'd be doing them a lifetime service of, of who knows what the future, how payments are going to be structured in the future, but you'd be helping them here and here and now today on how to effectively manage a credit card. I think that's a great strategy. I really like how you said falling through the cracks. And I, I'm not sure if we'll kind of get to that. I think maybe point number five will cover that. But falling through the cracks, I think a really key uh, concept that really well embodies what a credit card uh, can is and can do in, in, in the payments are because, again, a lot of things can fall through the cracks due to the auto automatic nature of a credit card. 
So let's move on to number two. We will get, like I said, we'll get back to the point number five. But the second point is credit cards should never be used for credit. So Trevor, this this point sounds very counterintuitive. And it, but w- what do you mean by this one? So if you think of of a credit card, it's it's two things. It, it's a a form of payment, and as an extra service, the credit card company will grant you extended terms on that money for a fee and a crazy insane interest rate. So credit cards, if you, if you need credit, just say you have expenses in your life that you can't meet with cash, which I think if you get into a place like that, you should be in a state of emergency. I've, I've, we've done shows like this before, but I won't get into that. But if you're in a position where you need credit, meaning an expense has come into your life and you do not have cash to satisfy that expense, there is cheaper forms of credit than a credit card. Now, it does take some planning. It takes some foresight to, to see this expense coming. Uh, and I, I'm not, I'm going to mention a few that I'm not, I'm not a fan of any form of credit. If you can avoid credit for your whole life, you'll probably be better for it. But there's overdrafts on your bank account. The interest rate on those would, would probably be lower. You can get unsecured lines of credit through a bank. The, the, the interest rates on those would be lower. You can get a home equity line of credit if you, if you own a home and you have some equity. So there is a lot of lower cost ways to get to borrow money than to use a credit card. To me, a, if you're using the credit aspect of a credit card, you you are probably financially delinquent. You you you're you're oblivious to your whole finances in general because what you're paying in interest is is outrageous, and it's whenever you borrow money, just say you get a car loan. When you borrow the money for the car loan. At the time you borrow the money, it's already determined how you're going to repay it. And that is called a, a structured loan. When you borrow money on a credit card and all they're asking you to do is repay the interest, that, that is just open credit. That, that's just a revolving door of borrowing money. There, there is no stop and start to that. So this could go on f- forever. In fact, the credit card companies hopes it does. All they want you to do is make the minimum interest payment and everything's good. And you would appear to be a responsible customer of theirs. But if you need credit, do not use a credit card. You know, Go get cheaper credit. It's out there. It exists. So by saying that, you're saying the only time we should reach for a credit card is when we are unable to purchase that thing without without any other without any convenient means. So either an online purchase or or something along those lines. Oh, no, no. I, I'm a big fan of using a credit card for almost all of my transactions because I, if you take a lot of risk, personal risk, out of your transaction. Like we mentioned, you could lose money. You could get the wrong change back. You could have your debit card stolen where they have access to your bank account. So a credit card, I, I think you should always use a credit card whenever you can, but never use the credit aspect of a credit card. So that speaks to why like we were talking about earlier, you will bring your credit card, not your debit card with you to stores. Oh, yes. That, that's the reason I carry it is if I lost it, I just got to place a phone call. Hey, I lost my credit card. Any unusual transactions, just call up the credit card company. Hey, this isn't mine. And all those problems just go away. Somebody else deals with it. And uh, my next question, this is actually going to lead into point number three. Um, your third point here is credit card hacking is a hobby, not a strategy. So in saying that, um, Another kind of use, and, and this leads me to the, my question, is do you use your credit card too for, for perks that come with it? Well, I, I believe you should, everyone who has a credit card should have a credit card that comes with perks. So I use President's Choice 
credit card and I can buy my groceries with it. And with, I, I end up going grocery shopping for free at least twice a year because of that. So I'm getting free food because I, I pay with my credit card. So I think if you have a credit card that has no perks, that that's just crazy. You, you, you shouldn't. And I, I, I'm against credit cards that have annual fees where you have to pay to have that credit card. I would never do that. But credit card hacking is, is a, a thing I've read about and I certainly don't have the interest or the, the, the patience to do it, but this is where you, you use credit cards to maximize all their perks and then you use another credit card to pay off that balance and maximize perks on another credit card. And I mean, it, it, it's, a, it's a vortex. And I think you could get into a lot of trouble and end up it end up costing you money if you if this wasn't a hobby something that you were fascinated by, this isn't something you can just do on the side when you get a chance you'll you'll hack another credit card. From what I understand, everything I read, you have to be all in on hacking. And credit card hacking is where you're just exploiting the perks of one credit card, and then once you you hit that that pinnacle that that point where everything's been completely maximized on those perks, you get another credit card and you pay off that credit card that where you maximize all the perks and you have this other credit card. But in doing that, I would hope you'd have all the money in the bank to cover all those expenses at any given moment. I mean, if if you ran out of time and some event come into your life where you, you no longer could track these credit cards and the timing of all the perks, you could just take your money and pay it off and then move on. But it needs to be a hobby, not a strategy. So, so if you're using credit card perks, just say, so I mentioned I get free groceries. Let's just say I was I was living so tight to the wire financially that I needed those free groceries to eat the next week. Just say I, everything was so tight and I needed those perks to eat that, that I was out of money otherwise. I think that is is a horrible situation. So if if you're in that situation, you have other financial problems. You know, we've been this year, you're living in a house you can't afford, you're driving a car you can't afford, something's wrong in your financial life and credit card hacking is not going to solve it. So don't use credit card hacking to solve a financial problem. If it's a hobby, all the power to you, you know, enjoy yourself. If you can exploit credit card companies and banks, I, I'm behind you 100%. <laughs> <laughs> but but don't make it a financial strategy that, that you have to rely on because these perks could, you know, go away overnight. Who knows? So that's my thing with credit card hacking. I think it's a fascinating hobby. I may, when I'm retired, I may take it up. It, you know, it's the modern day coupon clipping that people used to say back in the 70s where you'd collect coupons, you'd go to the grocery store and you'd get, you know, two cents off this and five cents off that. And you might save 10 bucks at the register. Well, credit card hacking is the modern day coupon clipping. So I, I, I think it's, it's a fascinating thing. And I, I think in my retirement years, I may take this up as a hobby. However, in saying that, I think a general disclaimer is that we don't endorse or um, dissuade this, this hobby. No, no, I, I, I'm, I'm neither for it or against it because I've never, I've never done it myself, but I've read about it. So I, I'm, I've read, obviously I'm somewhat fascinated about the idea of exploiting a bank. <laughs> <laughs> would it be? So uh, I'm I'm interested in it. So let's move on to point number four. And Trevor, your seventh truth about truth about credit cards is credit cards are not an emergency fund. We'll say this once, and we'll say it again. Yes. Yeah, so credit cards. 
I, so I, in my younger days, I, in my early twenties, it was my emergency fund. And I, I didn't realize it at the time, but I, I was treating it like that when, and I remember a car, my car breaking down. It was my only car and I needed to get this very expensive repair done. And I, I, ha, I didn't have the money in the bank to cover that. So I put it on my credit card and I, I luckily was able to pay off that balance before the, the end of the 30 day period. So it's not like I paid interest, but if that's what you're relying on, so when your washer breaks or your fridge dies, if you don't have an emergency fund, I get you can't go without a fridge, especially if you have a family, but this can't be your, if, if you're in such a situation that this is your short-term solution, I, 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 you know what, I can't condone it no matter what. You should, you should, if you don't have an emergency fund, you should be in a state of financial emergency and, and you should stop every every comfort in your life until you build up a minimum $1,000 emergency fund and then slowly build up a three to six month emergency fund. Credit cards are never going to be, it, it, it's a solution that will, if it worked once and you paid off the balance and just say it worked a second time and you paid a little bit of interest, third time, it, what's, what's going to happen is life events are going to stack up on top of each other. Before you know it, you've got $8,000 on your credit card bill and you're paying 27% interest. You have no chance of of paying this down and building an emergency fund at the same time. So never let your credit card represent an emergency fund. It is a form of payment. Because then again, if it's an emergency fund, you'll end up using it as a form of credit. So it is it is a no-go for emergency fund. So when we're talking about emergency funds, I mean, and maybe this doesn't apply to you, but maybe to a listener it does. How do you how do you not use that credit card to? And I know this is an emergency, but if there's if there's a sale, if there's a something that's very very tempting, very very tempting, how do you not reach for your credit card to use that um, for that sale, and knowing that you can pay off your credit card within the the limit, not accumulate interest? I mean, what's what's your kind of mental thought process to to, to for a listener who's wondering how to kind of avoid those temptations? Well, you, I don't think you should ever be that close to the financial edge where you don't have the money now, but you will by the end of the month. I, I mean, if, if, if you're living in that scenario, I think you're closer to the financial edge than you think. And, and financial disaster is just around the corner. And this credit card is just masking the problem that, that you, can't, you can't finance your life within the 30-day window. So I think a credit card if there's something that's a really good deal and you can't afford to buy it, then you can't afford to buy it. A credit card shouldn't be solving problems like that. I, I really love that point because it extends to my next question that how can we move if we are stuck within the mentality thinking that we have more means than we do because we view a credit card as a means of of, of paying for something, how do we move out of that mentality and, and realize that it is, it's not, we can't count it as usable money. Well, using a credit card, it, it doesn't, it's not like you're leveraging your money or you're, you're, you're doing something to expand your wealth. You're just, you're just adding risk to your life. You're adding financial risk to a situation that, that had none before that. So the minute you start using the credit on your credit card, you you just you're just adding risk unnecessarily. So 
if there was some really good deal on something, like just say you found a deal on, I don't know, toilet paper and you bought like toilet paper, like a truckload. And, and, and so just say you've got like a year's supply of toilet paper and then the transmission goes out in your car. Well, you might wish you didn't have all that toilet paper because you, you, you can't, now you can't fix your car because you, you're busy paying off your credit card for your toilet paper. I know that's a bad example, but you know, you know what I mean? Like say you upgraded your phone because, okay, this is a good one. iPhone. I haven't mentioned iPhone in a while. Just say you upgraded your iPhone and they were on sale. They never go on sale, but just say they did. <laughs> so, and you borrowed the money on your credit card to get that phone because it was the deal of the century. And then the transmission goes in your car. Well, the best you can do is use your new iPhone to call a tow truck, right? Because you can't afford to get your transmission fixed. So you've just added risk to your life. So if, I just, nothing good will come from it. And I want to go back to that time when you used your credit card to to pay for your, for uh, a car fix. So are you saying then that you've never accumulated interest on in your credit card? I've never paid interest on a credit card. I can say that unequivocally. So how 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 did you manage that? I mean, did you have incredible um, incredible um, parental guidance when it came to that? Did you learn that organically? How did you make that happen? Well, my parents were anti credit card, and of course, that was back in the day where credit cards were not that common, and they they just were not a fan of credit cards. They just thought nothing good would come from them. In fact, I remember my father we were driving my grandfather's car. So me and my father were in my grandfather's car. And when I forget we were driving it somewhere. And he said to me, he said, open the glove box. And so you, first I got to go back to you. Do you remember the days where the credit card, you put it in this machine and you, you, you put carbon paper down and then you slid that thing across the face of your card and it imprinted the... I've seen those in museums now. Okay. <laughs> I've well, seen, I know about them. Okay. So we're driving my grandfather's car. My, my father says, open the glove box. So I open the glove box and out pours all these visa receipts and they're these carbon paper things. And they're, I, I'm not, there's no word of exaggeration. There was thousands of them in, the, in this glove box. And my father said, your grandfather has no idea how much he spent, how much he has, when it's due. And I, I was probably 12 or 13 years old and I had this visualization. Like, And so I started looking at some and they were hundreds of dollars. And this was back in the, like the early 1980s. And I had, so I had this visualization. So my, my father said, never use a credit card. Nothing good would come from it. And this is of course, back in the time when nothing would good, good, good come from it. Like this is people use credit cards cause they didn't have cash. So that is, that was my exposure to, to credit cards are bad. So I did have some parental guidance, but I just saw credit cards as if I use the credit aspect of a credit card, I'm introducing risk. In fact, I had a car loan already at the time and that represented risk, meaning if I lost my job, I still have to pay that off that loan. If if I have a credit card debt and I lose my job, I still got to pay that interest on those credit cards. So I've, I'm very risk adverse. I keep risk out of my life whenever possible. So credit cards, always I always saw it as risk and that if you... I, I don't even think if you, nobody should like risk. Risk is never a good thing. So that that's my reason I would never pay interest. No, that's, it sounds like a very rooting example uh, that really, and you've remembered to this day, influenced uh, your use of credit card. 
So I want to move on to the fifth point here within your truths about credit card. And number five is credit cards need to be managed like a bank account. So this point, it kind of extends to what I was talking about earlier and, and the fact that there's statements and they need to be checked in that um, expenses can occur um, on your from your credit card automatically, which is something that has to be uh, micromanaged and, and really, really watched. So... If somebody took some money out of your bank account, just say the bank took some out by mistake or just, just just say a random transaction showed up in your bank account and you didn't know what it was for, there's many people that would not investigate that, would not pursue that and, and, and want to know exactly how that could happen and why it happened and what it was for. Everyone understands how the, you take money out of my bank account, that's my money, you know, I, I need to know why. The credit card is the same thing, but people, they get their credit card statements and you need to scrutinize every single line in there. So I, I have the the best bookkeeper in the world, my wife. And when we get a credit card bill in, she goes through every single line and she waits till I'm sitting down because she wants my attention. And we'll be sitting in the living room and she'll say, have you got a few minutes? And I said, sure. So she starts reading off the list and we, I, I welcome this and she Sometimes we actually do it in the car if we're driving on a long trip somewhere. So that's another good time to do it. And she'll go down each expense. And, and she's not sort of asking me to explain everyone. She wants to know if I'm aware of them. Like she'll say, she'll read off the expense. She'll say Netflix, you know, eleven ninety nine, And I go, yep, that's good. And she might say iTunes, you know, 99 cents. Oh, yeah, that was a movie we rented. And then she might say um, Audible you know, $9.99. And I go, oh yeah, that was an audiobook I bought. And she'll say, Amazon, uh, you know, uh, $22.95. And I go, oh yeah, that was a Bluetooth earbud <laughs> I bought. <laughs> um, uh, so, and then, but w w when you go through that, you start looking for some, if there's a reoccurring payment. So I had a subscription to Sportsnet. It's a, it's a streaming sports service on TV. And she'll say, Sportsnet, uh, $28.99. I go, $28.99? Are you kidding me? That's gone up like five bucks. That's crazy. You know, so my eyes have been open that they increased it. I probably got an email that I ignored, who knows, telling me it was going up. And I said, well, I'm not, I, I, it, it's a good service, but it's not worth, you know, 30 bucks. I, I'm going to cancel that. So she'll pull out her phone. She'll go, do you want me to cancel it right now? You know, so, uh, and, and I, and I did, that was an example. That was a real, real, real world example. So, um, so she, she will go through that in, and we'll scrutinize every single transaction. Cause a lot of people get these automatic services through their credit cards. And if you, if you don't review your credit card, you lose track of all the things you might be paying for that you never use. Like, I'm sure there's a lot of people that get the free trial of Apple music for three months, and then they start charging you $9.99 a month. Well, if you don't look at your credit card statement, you may, you, it could be a year and a half before you realize I've been paying 10 bucks a month for Apple music and I have never used it. You know, I just got the free trial. They got my credit card number and they've been charging me. Well, you can't return that. You can't undo that. Like, it's not like you can get a refund. So I think with all these digital services that are available and everybody offers a free trial, it seems on everything. There's a free trial. And the reason they do the free trial is they want you to enjoy their service for a month or maybe sign up for a month and never use it and forget about it and never look at your credit card statement. 
So if you are managing your credit card statement like a bank account with that same discipline, because it it's money that you spend. It's, it's, it's your money, whether you're borrowing it from the credit card company, which you should never do, or you're paying it off every month, you're still spending it. So it, you, it, it, these digital services, I, I hate free trials. And, and a lot of times, if I have an option for a free trial or no, no free trial, if I really want the service, if I can avoid the free trial, I will. Because I, I, I don't want to lose sight of something I'm, I'm getting into. So, um, yeah, managing your credit card like a bank account it's not. It's not just. It's not a good idea. It is a requirement. If you can't get rid of your credit card, this is not some. This is not optional. This is something. This is. This isn't something that you can do every now and then, or you know, you you could fall behind on and catch up. Nope. It's something you have to do every single month. It is the responsibility of owning a credit card. On that note, then, do you recommend um, paying off in lump sum at the end, or paying off? each kind of purchase as you make it or going through maybe at the end of the month and paying off each individually? How do you go about doing that? You know, that's a really good question. And I like that one. So if, if every time you spend it, if you pay it off, just say you, you spent five bucks at Starbucks, which you should never do. <laughs> say something else. Just say you did. And then you get home and you, you whip your phone out and you say, well, I'm going to pay off that five bucks. You know, if, if that doesn't, if that's easier for you and and like if going through it once a month seems like this big burden and you'd rather go through it every day or every week, if you have a mechanism or a way to manage it on, on a frequent basis and, and, and get to a zero balance every week, every month, every day, that's your goal. If you can do that in small increments of time, then I say do it that way. I mean, there's no gain by by waiting till the end of the month. It's just uh, that's if that's a point of convenience for you, then then do it that way. And I I think my last question for you, Trevor, is I mean we've gone through this five things, but how do you personally live in a world where we are ruled by credit cards, where that is the norm to use it? I mean, how do you push through the norm of society and and feel okay? doing your own thing and using your credit card in the way that you feel comfortable? How, how, how do you, how do you do that? Well, I, I think it would be invisible to everyone around me, whether I've, I'm paying off my balance or not. Right. It's, but I think if you're trying to navigate today's world with cash in, in a credit card society, if that's the way you're trying to function, I think you're going to be bumping up against the system all the time. And, and it, you're just going to, you're going to get friction, but not transaction friction. You're going to get friction from the people you're doing business with. And, and because like, just say you, you, you like writing checks. I mean, that is so foreign. I Checks are so foreign, but just say you like writing checks. Well, checks represent a risk to the merchant you're doing business with. You know, they have no idea whether you're good for this check or if it's just a piece of paper, right? So they take some comfort. And another thing is when you do cash business, I think, if I'm a business owner, I, I get that it costs me money for people to, like a merchant pays a percent on every transaction that a, a customer uses a credit card, but they don't have any money in their store to be robbed with. You know, so there, there's a, there's, it takes risk out of their life too. So I, I think you are resisting the inevitable. If you don't get on the credit card train, this is the way it's going. We are going to a cashless society. I mean, the penny doesn't exist Soon the nickel's going to go away. 
I, I think we're going to a cashless society. It, it, I, I rarely have cash on me. And now you can e-transfer people money, like personal people, like your friends. You, if you owe somebody 20 bucks, you can send them an e-transfer. So there's the reason to have cash is getting less and less. And, and in fact, if somebody gave me, if somebody owed me $100 and they gave it to me, that, that represents a real pain to me because I have to figure out how am I going to get this in the bank because I, I bank with a virtual bank. I don't, I don't bank with a, a physical bank. So it, it just becomes problematic for me. So I don't even want cash even if somebody owes it to me. No, thank you. So Trevor, on that note, we went through your five truths about credit cards. Is there anything else um, that you'd like to end the show with? Getting a credit card too soon in life. I mean, getting a credit card before you are responsible enough to use one. Getting one before you understand the ramifications of, of abusing one. If you can de- delay that until life becomes incredibly inconvenient, you'll be doing yourself a world of good. And on that note, thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Simple Money Solutions podcast where we talk about credit cards. If you have any other truths that you'd like to share with us about credit cards that you found to help you or be true in your life, let us know. You can always do so at our website through our contact submission form at livelifesimple.ca. Thank you again for joining us and we'll see you right back here next week with a new episode. Until then, keep it simple.